Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome cause to Cosmic Reality. It's February 27th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is uh, Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. So, um, good evening, Walt. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Posse. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. Dolly. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. Howdy. That way I can say howdy, y'all. I had, I don't have to list names and forget somebody and get people mad at me because I forgot their name. <laughs> That's why you say howdy, y'all. <laughs> well, it also takes less time. True. That's very true. <laughs> and, you, and you get your message across, so there uh-huh. you go. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, well, let, let's just... Uh, stop here for a minute and and we've had a we've had a very another very strange week um there's been there's always something happening in the world and dolly has well dolly's got a, a couple of things that are very interesting do you want to go with that or you want to start with the really good story one um Let's start with the good story one in case we don't, we in case we run out of time at the end because we're talking about the current events. Okay, all right, that works. Okay, now I gotta pull this up, and oh, I was down at the bottom. This is from Good News Network, of course. Um. <coughs> I will give you the link. I should have done this while I was waiting. I didn't even think of it. My brain starts shutting down about this time. (coughs) Here's the link of what I'm going to report on. And um, here's a picture. Here's copy and... And I will get the saying what goes under that with that picture so you know what you're looking at. Here is copy. And at least I know where to find you all this time. Oh, say. Here we go. All right, there's that. And now I got two more things, copy and paste. And I'll be done with the copy and paste stuff. Let's see, copy. And we need to get a producer for this show. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> the one we have doesn't keep me on my toes. 
Hurry up. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> you try working with hands that shake. Uh, use your toes. <laughs> they shake too. That's a problem. My whole freaking body shakes, but sometimes it's just my arms and my hands. There's that. Okay, now I'm going to start reading it to y'all. <clears throat> um, it is Mom's Love Helps Woman Wake from Coma After Five Years, written by Andy Corbley on February 27, 24. It was posted. And, of course, it's Good News Network. This is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Comes a story too magical to believe of a mother's love creating a medical miracle and a woman who cared for a comatose daughter in silence for half a decade. Jennifer Fluellen, Fleet. Jennifer Fluellen, okay, was 35 when, according to a feature on Good Morning America, she was put into a metal, come on. Medically induced coma. Thank you. After crashing her car into a pole, Fluellen had just dropped her three boys off at school, but began to feel lightheaded on the way home. Placed on life support at a large hospital, nurses were certain she would never recover. And though there are no hard or fast rules for when a person wakes up from a coma, by day two, physicians were encouraging Fluellen's mother, Peggy Means, to take her off life support. I remember one respiratory nurse, she told me, well, you know, she'll only get worse. And I told her, don't you ever say that to me again and never say it around my daughter. Means told GMA, that's Good Morning America. I'd say it's very easy to be negative, but we have no room for negativity. Weeks turned into months, which turned into years, but Means' love for her daughter kept her strong and faithful Stop it. through the long hours of silence. Means did as much as was possible, and then some, transferring her to different care centers, battling with insurance to keep covering the treatment, arguing with hospital administrators, all the while working full-time as an industrial sewer and pampering the unconscious Jennifer with all kinds of TLC. Means would give her daughter spa days, even though Fluellen was unresponsive to all stimuli. She would wheel her around the hospital, talking to her as if she were awake recounting the progress of her three sons in school. Visiting her nearly every day, this continued for five long years through the pandemic and out the other side. Then one day, the truly unthinkable happened. 
five years after the fateful crash, Means was sitting with her daughter in a sunny spot outside the hospital telling jokes. Fluellen laughed. Means could hardly believe it. I started to wheel her up to the building, Means said, being scared at first. And then I thought, she's laughing. So I stopped and got my phone out. After all that time, what Means believed all along with all her heart was true. Her daughter was still in there. I would ask her questions about the boys and stuff, and she couldn't speak even a sound. But she could shake her head yes and no, Means recalled. I said, Jen, am I your dad? And she made a face like no. And then I'd ask about the boys. I'd mix up their names, like one middle name to another one. So Ellen was answering the questions correctly. So Means immediately organized speech therapy. And that was the beginning of the end. Fluellen was indeed still there. And as the weeks went by, more and more of her was reemerging like a butterfly, breaking loose of its cocoon. Good Morning America says that just 2 to 3% of people left in a vegetative state for that long will ever wake up but means is ensuring her daughter will be able to do more than that. She organized occupational speech and physical therapy. She has organized surgeries to loosen the rigor, morti- the rigor mortis-like tension that had set into her joints so she can regain movement. <clears throat> at Mary Free Bed Rehabilitation Center in Grand Rapids, Michigan. One doctor said that the case study is so rare that means it's basically driving scientific discovery. (laughs) Good for her. No one can say for certain how much faculty Fluellen will recover because the instance is just too rare. But because the answer isn't known, means is driving forward with all the love and determination that kept her going through the unresponsive years. Eventually, Jennifer Fluellen, at age 41, and a new grandmother to a one-year-old great-granddaughter, not great, but granddaughter, left Mary Free Bed and came home to stay with Means, herself newly retired. Fluellen's oldest son uh, yeah, Fluellen's oldest son moved in with the two to help out. <clears throat> the road to recovery is long and no one knows where the end will be. But mother and daughter carry on with a mantra given by a nurse practitioner who once told means that you have to dream it, then you have to believe it. The end. Oh, my gosh. 
Sorry, I get so emotional. Too bad they don't say what happened, why she was put into a coma. Because she they, had a car crash. Yeah, they, I understand that because all they say is that she uh, felt herself falling asleep. Like, okay, no, what? no, no, no. She said she had a funny feeling in her head. She might have had some kind of an aneurysm or something happen. Yeah, that, that's the part that's, that's not clear to me. Okay, yeah. but what put it in I, that condition? Yeah, I, I suspect that they might have induced the coma. Um, for I don't know, but you're so funny. You always find something to say. Oh, but 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 but. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm I know. Scared. I know. You don't take things that you know. You want to know more. Yeah, of course. My my brother would make you nuts. My brother was one of these people that, that one day he walked in the house. His name is Phil. He walks in the house and he said, the store just got robbed. And then he kept going. And we're sitting there, we're going like, <laughs> hey, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, the store just got, and he tells which store just got robbed. And he, you know, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, come back here. What, what do you know about this, you know? And it's like, well, nothing except the store got robbed. And it was like, well, did, who told you? what? It was just impossible to find out, you know, anything from him. Every story was like that. He'd, like, give you the punchline, but you don't know how he got there. And now I got this other brother that was in the store when the store got robbed. I got a lot of brothers, right? And his reaction to the whole thing was, here, it's one of those... Uh, we call them the 7-Eleven now. I can't remember what it was at the time. Cumbersons or something like that. But my brother was working there. And he's putting stuff on the shelves in the back and everything. And this customer walks by him, doesn't say anything to him, but looks really weird, like scared. And he's like, why does she look like that, you know? And so he kind of like starts looking out into the front of the store and then he just walks forward to the front of the store and <laughs> he said there was a guy in line with a gun he was waiting in line but you could see the gun <laughs> so anyway the guy I thought that, that when you have a gun you don't have to wait you just use the gun too. and move forward <laughs> he, he waited in line and so my brother watches him do this. You know, he's waiting in line. He's got a gun. So I said to him, well, what would you do? He said, well, I went to the back of the store, too. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, my God. Because I'm like you all. I mean, and that well, I'm not like you, but I'm similar to you. I don't take things as far as you do. But the, the you got to know more about the stories. They're terrible storytellers. So, yeah, the store got robbed. <laughs> Oh, my father was just like that. It was the worst. It was the worst because I just heard there was a terrible, terrible car crash. I don't know where. I don't know <laughs> when. I don't know who got hurt. I don't know. It's like so. Me and my mother were looking at each, at each other. It's like, is there a story in here somewhere? Because he's not telling us anything at all. <laughs> why? Why did you bother our dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't say anything there's nothing to say <laughs> oh my gosh so um, 
Yeah, uh, but you know, here's the thing, Dolly. What what was that girl doing over all that time? I was don't she, know. Oh, you know, I mean, it's like interesting yeah. to contemplate. Was yeah. she was she stuck in the body and hurt her mom, but couldn't respond? And well, you know, they say the last thing to go is your hearing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Or was she essentially dead for all that time that passed on this time is a long time, but for there it probably be, you know, a short period of time and then came back. Or did somebody say, look at this vacant body here. I think I'm going to get in there. Oh, walk in. (laughs) Yeah. No, they have to have an agreement with the person who first owns the body. Yeah. They can't just walk in. Well, that's what you think. I, I, I mean, do you have some kind of a, a experience? Well, I, indicates I thought that. Ruth Montgomery <clears throat> in her oh, book. Maybe. Because she talked with, she interviewed Watkins. Ah. And I think that's where I got it from. I read all of her books. I only like, read like the case of William Linville. When William Lewis, he's a walk-in. Uh, he's he, I believe he ha- he shows, he has uh, shows on their their on on, on YouTube, and uh, it's funny because you look at him. He's he's a thin as a rail, and yet, when he came onto the body, the body was was over five hundred uh, pounds. It was incredibly fat. Uh, it was a uh, it, it was dying. The body was dying. I was suffering from uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, what's the thing with blood sugar? Um, diabetes. They had diabetes. So it was terrible. So he he comes into the body, and he says, "Oh, so I came into the body, and the body was already getting ready to to leave, and I, I, and I was having a ball. I was uh, so he was enjoying." the experience because I ne- he never had it before and he kept having all these experiences of all the, pro- the progression of his uh, his body dying and this change and that change and he wasn't terrified or anything he he, he was he thought it was having a ball it, it is so amazing this is so incredible and he he regained his ability to walk because he he got off the wheelchair. Like I said, he was like over 500 pounds. It was incredibly fat and overweight. And uh, the one thing is that he he talk. I don't think he he can control it. He talks incredibly fast. He'll he'll be talking like uh, you know the the records when you remember the old records. We had 33 33 RPM, 45 RPM, 78 RPM. <laughs> it's like He's like a 78 RPM record. He talks incredibly fast and you have to follow him because he doesn't skip any words. So it's very incredible. He, William Linville, I think he's in, in Vegas. He lives there. Uh, but it, it's very, very interesting. This, this is one case of, of those walk-ins who walk into a, into a new body and it, and it changed the whole story changes. So. Very interesting. 
I have a cousin who talks really fast. <laughs> it's like she's in constant fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> like um, uh, Marianne Williamson, the the woman who was in the in the miracles of. Uh, uh, it, it, she she has that sh that um, that book series that she wrote, the Course in Miracles. And, uh, and and somebody lent me the tape of that, and I and I thought, oh my God, how can somebody follow this woman? It's like is so fast. Is it? Oh, it's I, like a uh, <laughs> raven. What's her name? Uh, so so solar raven or Solaris blue oh. raven? Oh yeah, that one. <laughs> she slowed down over the years. Oh. She still talks fast, but not as fast. Well, I, I, when I was in the military, we had uh, one of my, you know, student friends there talked really fast. And somehow or another, I looked it up, or I don't know what it was, or maybe it was later in life. But they say that the brain can actually hear things in, a, you know, like at least 1.5 speed. Uh, easily and keep up with it. In fact, it, the brain the brain is more inclined to focus on it because you get engaged with the words versus somebody that is hesitant and you, your brain will kind of space out during that, that time. So, Mark uh, Joseph, he always amazed me because he had so much more seeming time to listen to all these podcasts. And then one day he said, well, I listened to him at double speed. And then I, I, I didn't even know what, you know what he was talking about. And he told me about it and stuff. And at first I could only handle the 1.25. But now I listen to 1.5. And to me, when I go back to the normal speed, I get freaked out. I think, oh, my God, why is that tape going so slow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's like becoming a Netherland Woods, people who, who can read incredibly fast? Well, I think anybody can be trained to do that. And I suggest it. Because, it, you, you know, it just, you can, you know, you go with one, two, five and see if you can do it. In some cases, you might find somebody that whose voice sounds absolutely normal because they talk so slow. That when you got it in 1.25, they actually are talking, you know, more like a normal person. And sometimes you got people that talk kind of fast anyway, so they speed up. But th your brain compensates for it. It's amazing. And, um, yeah, so I do 1.5. As a matter of fact, I've accidentally recorded in the wrong speed <laughs> for radio shows and had to re-record re it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so you might want to try it out, people, because you'll get a tremendous amount more <laughs> videos looked at and the, you'll get the information. It seems to stick. Uh, I, I would guess that you don't get distracted. You're actually more focused. Exactly. 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 Now, I can't do two. I, I, I completely get lost. I think, you know, I don't know about Marx, but... My brain, I need I need to be able to sort of like 
do a little analysis as I'm hearing it, but I can hear it a lot faster and still do the analysis. But not it, even 1.75, it's too fast. So just a, just a side note there. Um, what's the next thing, Dolly? Yeah, what's the next thing, Dolly? Okay. Oh, you got you guys anxious. Hold on. I'm going to try to prepare. No, I was listening to y'all. See, I don't, my brain doesn't think fast like that. I can't hear uh, very good. And so I posted what we're going to do next. It's from X, that tweeter thing. And um, hold on. Here's his picture so you can get a good picture of this dipshit. I couldn't stand it, Nancy. He just, he's such a liar. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know if I lied to them or not. Well, that (laughs) means you freaking lie all the time. So who no, knows? I didn't say that. He did. <laughs> he said, I don't know. No, no, I'm saying, and he kept saying, no, I didn't say that. I mean, the only reason he was up there is because he told them all that, yeah, you know, well, go ahead. We might as well read the thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Breaking news. So this is from X, and it's from a person known as Vernon Jones on February 26th. Breaking news. Fulton County, Georgia, Judge McAfee just ruled in the Willis-Wade love affair. Wade's former law partner, Terrence Bradley, was ordered to appear in court to answer questions about the lovebirds. Bradley is the second witness who allegedly knows about the pre-hiring romance. No more hiding under the client's attorney privilege objections by Fanny and Wade's attorneys. And then they have, in all caps, BOMBSHELL. And then there was a comment by, made by, I got your ass. I got your ass. Oh, like I got your ass. <laughs> that was on X2 under this article. And it says, the judge worked and donated worked for and donated to Fanny's DA campaign. The judge who's on the judge of the, is the judge of this trial that's going on now. This trial is already predetermined in Fanny's favor. Just you wait and see. So that's that on that. It's and that was going on today. This dude was testifying today. And he, he couldn't recall a lot of things. And then some things, well, he couldn't remember if he lied to the person or not. And uh, it just kept going on. One thing, uh, uh, he, and, and the look. His, I couldn't look at him. He was just, his soul is ugly. I couldn't look at it. So um, it was difficult for me to watch that. 
Well, no. what, I, what I loved about it was um, when Trump's lawyer was ta- asking him questions, and he said, I remind you that you're under oath. <laughs> yeah, everybody, right. Everybody, everybody <laughs> in, the, in the courtroom, you know, he's admitting to he maybe. I mean, the, one of the prosecutors said, so you made up what you told me? Yeah. Well, I don't recall if I made it up or not. <laughs> right. He had stupid answers like that that he said out loud so people could hear. Yeah, I'm a freaking liar. <laughs> so so that, that oath that they take before they start testifying was just for play? Like when they say, oh, you swear to tell the truth or nothing but the truth. So he's just pretending Does, that? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> mean shit to them. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't mean a damn bit of good anything to them. For the, it, it, for, They don't believe in the Bible anyway. They don't believe in God, so they put their hand on the Bible and make that oath. They're they're just standing there saying words that mean nothing to them. They're not like me. I took the oath. I've I've been a patriot ever since. Do they still uh, use the Bible in the courtroom? Uh, no. No? Uh, no. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. I don't remember them, no, because I've seen two of them, at least in this hearing. That, and I, and they, they gave, you know, they said the oath, but the person just stood up and put their hand up. Like, yes, you know, I'm raising my hand, I'm doing this. But I don't remember a Bible. Wow. Somebody in, in chat. You're, suppo- you're supposed to. You're not. You, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute I, if, <laughs> if I've seen in how many how many crime movies, one hand goes on the Bible and the other hand you raise. I don't so, remember seeing it. The Bible there. Somebody okay. get a picture of Willis uh, getting the oath. You know, Willis taking the oath. Because that's the one I saw. I mean, I I could just not have seen it, but now that Dolly mentions it, I don't remember even seeing it. I mean, well, somebody have had to have been holding the Bible, on because I mean, she's got to raise one hand, and then she, she yeah. had the Bible, and you know, I mean, somebody had to hold the Bible, and yeah. there was not in my remembrance. I don't remember seeing anybody there except her raising her hand but, but isn't that normal like in in every court case it's uh the, the bailiff does that the bailiff holds it the the bible or the person i don't remember the bailiff being there that's what i'm saying oh i mean you guys know i have a pretty good memory yeah. <laughs> so i don't know i'm gonna put the mute on here for a second that reminds me, she said, she was asking if I remembered, in the Shungite show, they were talking about something, and uh, she couldn't remember Max's name, so uh, I put it in the chat for her, but I don't think yeah, she saw Anthony it. something, he's got a Spanish last name, Anthony something. But he, call, he went by Max. Max Steele. Max Steel, which is a fake. Yeah, Max uh, Steel, right. He's a superhero. Yeah. And uh, 
He died. Did you know that? Yeah. You told me about it. Oh, did I? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I don't remember that. Yeah, I saw you. You, you even messaged me, it, but the message came in way after we'd been talking about it. Yeah, I waited until break time. Well, I'm not going to go back and say, oh, by the way, this, and then have to tell the story for those people that, to remember the story. Oh. Well, you know? Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt the show. But, you I, know, I think that that was on the Say What show, that he was on the Say What show. Because who, Max? He, Yeah, that's that. I, I started thinking, why haven't I seen that show come up on Cosmic Reality? And I haven't. No. And, no. He was on Dolly Shears. And say what? Because Peter was there. Oh. On a Saturday. I didn't remember say what, but I interviewed him a couple times because I couldn't believe this guy isn't for real. And he's telling us he is for real. And so I interviewed him a couple times on Dolly Shares or did. Did Dolly? I forgot what did stands for. Dilly Dallying and Dolly World. Oh, yeah. Yes, I think it was in Dolly Shares and Dilly Dallying and Dolly World. Because I just, I had to share this, uh, this absolutely insane words that he was saying with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, then, then that you know, ET ship turned out, turned up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like you think you've got somebody. But you know. the, way, the way that you guys describe it, there was no consensus. There was no agreement. Everybody's seeing this, everybody's seeing something different. So it's like maybe there there was no ship because no 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 two people saw the same thing. So obviously, obviously, it was more like a like a, suge- a suggestion thing. People saw what they wanted to see or what they were inspired to see, but no one truly see what whatever was there, like a, like a massive hypnosis kind of thing. No, I tried to explain this on the Shanghai show that because it was see only Peter and I heard the radio show. That's why I'm sure it was say what. Because then we went over to Sandy's for dinner. And during the show, Max said there was an ET ship in the area. And I believe he said that it was in a triangle shape. And he named the people that were in it. And um, so he said, just keep your eye out. And we were at dinner. I I wasn't thinking about it. I was just sitting there eating pie or something. (laughs) And... I look up and I can see this lights and obviously a triangular shape that was very close to the ground. And I, it was, oh gee, maybe maybe an eighth of a mile from me. It would have been right over the street. And you could see the, uh, the street lights, you know, because we were living in a, a fairly wooded area. But you could see the street lights and everything and they were virtually reflecting off the bottom of the the triangle in my mind but the others saw something different and it could be that your brain is attempting to 
formulate a explanation for what you're seeing. And so it's kind of giving you a, a mock-up of what, he, what, what it thinks it's seeing. And that would differ for everybody. That's why probably uh, testimony from a witness is terrible testimony most of the time. And they've demonstrated this in innumerable different uh, research projects. Because the person only sees what their brain perceives that they see. So I or it could have been, you know, them somebody putting there could have been something there or they could have been putting the image of something in our heads and the same thing would have happened. What's this image? And your brain would try to make make an explanation for it. So I don't, I don't know. What, what we're talking about, y'all who haven't heard about Max Steele before, because it was years ago. Um, he he said he was the king or the leader of a galaxy, and uh, he wanted to come and visit Earth. So he went into a man's body. They made an agreement that he could use this guy's body, and. Uh, not be his godly self like he was. And so he he brought his um, guards with him, and, and I don't know, I don't remember how many uh, spaceships they had that accompanied him and would take care of him. And when the body that he went into was not a well body, so the galaxy doctor would, would uh, take him up on the ship and make him better, his, the body better, so he could continue to use it. <laughs> and uh, I asked him, well, who's running your galaxy while you are here on Earth? And he said his queen was running it, his wife. And he kept talking about he wanted to meet a girl here on Earth and and have an affair and all this stuff. And I said, what does your wife think about that? And I never, I don't remember if he answered that or not. So I, I have no I know that I know that one time that you were pissed because you had questions and he like, blew off your your question like he wouldn't he didn't want to answer the questions so i and that really pissed you off because instead of acknowledging your question it was a valid question he brushed you off like yeah, it, it didn't matter because he didn't have an answer huh. <laughs> he ran out of lies he couldn't think fast enough at that time and uh so I interviewed this dude a couple times, which was four hours there. Nancy interviewed him on one of her shows. So that was more time that we had exposure to him. And uh, this is when we were on Wolf Spirit, when Dave was here on planet Earth. And so Dave just encouraged it because, of course, he thought it was fun and games. <laughs> it just really got me all wound up. Uh, but, um, 
So that's who we're talking about. And he would portray himself as Sam Steele and put this beautiful picture up of an alien-type being. Uh, I And it's a very common picture that if I could find it, you would know. Oh, Max yeah. Steele. Max Steele. I have seen that before, and uh, it's just... So that's... Yeah, it was a TV show called Max Steele. I don't know why he adopted that name. <laughs> well, he wasn't very imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> so much for the captain of the galaxy. Yeah, really. So that's what we were just talking about, y'all. I, I don't like to just leave you hanging. And I was kind of putting off reading the next thing. <laughs> Do you um, have up to doing it uh, i i need a rest right now do you have something sure i have something i, oh, can, I cool. can do something okay so um let me see all right oh, oh i gotta pull this thing up here okay what i'm gonna play is tucker carlson and it's on the obama movie obama did a netflix movie and it's a clip of a longer uh, video that he did. But it's just the clip. But it'll get, give you uh, an oversight into this movie. So it's like eight minutes. Here we go. Barack Obama's been out of office kind of a long time now. And because we don't see him every day, it's become really obvious to a lot of people that the whole Obama thing was based on race hatred, anti-white hatred. That's how he got elected, white guilt, anger at white people, and that's how he maintained power. He stoked it, of course. A lot of people didn't see this coming. Obama seemed like the kind of person who could bring the country together, our first half-white president. He could probably see both sides of the race question. But no, he saw only one side, and it's hate-based. And so it shouldn't surprise you that now that he's a Netflix producer, along with his hate-addled wife, Michelle, He's producing more racial division in the form of scripted dramas. The latest is called Leave the World Behind. It's a fictional thriller about the collapse of technology and what humans would do with no phones or computers. The movie follows a family on vacation at a rental house. And one night they're visited by a father and a daughter who show up seeking shelter. They say their phones no longer work and they need a place to stay. So immediately the white family, because they're evil, that's encoded in their DNA, of course, is suspicious of the visitors because they're black. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on like this. Here's a clip. I'm asking for you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be dulled out easily to anyone, especially white people. Even mom would agree with me on that. Yeah, especially you can't trust white people. They're evil. This is the guy, remember, who became famous at the Democratic Convention in 2004 by telling us there is no white America, there's no black America, it's just one America. But of course, that's not really a profit model in politics, is it? So he's been stoking race hatred ever since, and the disarray around us is the result. Very few people have made a study of this. How did this happen? Uh, but Scott McKay has. He's a contributing editor at The American Spectator, author of the new book, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. It's all Obama, which it is. He joins us now. Scott McKay, thanks so much for coming on. Um, 
so before we get into the the larger questions about Obama, just tell us about this Netflix, whatever it is, drama. What does it tell us? Right. Well, well, what it tells you a lot is the Obama worldview, right? I mean, uh, the trade press reported after this movie came out that Obama's listed as an executive producer because he made copious notes on the script to make it more realistic. Um, but if you watch the movie, what you don't find a lot of is realism. As you noted, uh, the, the movie basically injects race into a thriller about the end of the world. Um, and it basically starts out with a black family. Mahershala Ali plays a guy who's obviously a captain of industry of some sort. He shows up in a $5,000 tuxedo and a top of the line Mercedes saying, hey, I'm the guy that rented you this Airbnb. I've got $1,000 in my pocket to reimburse you for a night of your stay. Um, we need to rack out in the basement because the power's out in the city. And Julia Roberts, who is the, uh, the, the wife in this you know, drama, doesn't want to let him in the house because obviously she's racist. And based on this woman's background, she's a Brooklynite ad executive who's clearly a Democrat who would have voted for Obama. Um, you know, it's like it's all perfect fit, right? It's like, oh, yeah, OK, so this is what the Obamas think of their own voters. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, the clip you played is, you know, you can't trust white people in the, even in the middle of the apocalypse, uh, when most people would tell you that race goes away in the middle of a crisis like that. Um, and here's a point. So remember after 9-11, 90% of the country lined up behind George W. Bush. America was unified as never before, right? So we've gone from there to now where the Obamas produce a movie basically telling us that we're going to fall amongst each other on race the minute a crisis happens. Um, and I would point to a kind of midpoint between this, which is the Fort Hood shooting. If you'll remember, uh, that was, you know, a, a, a crisis situation and you had a uh, jihadist who happened to worm his way into the army shoots up an army base. And the response from the Obama administration, which had just taken office, was that it would be a true tragedy if we lost our diversity in the military, not our unity. Right. Because that definitely went away. Um, and here we are now where we're making movies about the end of the world. And the first thing that happens is that the black people and the white people are going to fall out amongst each other. And that is, I think, a pretty good summation of where we are. Yeah. Thanks to Barack Obama and his 15 to 18 years as a as a American political behemoth, if you will. And, and he still is because, I mean, he's the driving force behind the policies of, of the current administration, oh, yes. the Biden administration. Um, Absolutely. And in fact, it's been reported recently that he's driving the message for the Biden reelect, which is, of course, hating white people. White supremacy is our biggest problem. Yeah, really. OK. White people are our biggest problem. That's what they're saying. But it's interesting. And I don't really know the answer. Maybe you do, since you just wrote a book on it. How did this happen? Obama's half white. He won't admit it, but he is. His mom was white. Right. He grew up in a white household. He went to white schools, a beneficial middling intellect who went to an Ivy League school because of affirmative action. Thanks to guilty white people. Mm -hmm. Same with his wife. who's dumb and still went to you know ivy league school princeton like why are they mad at whites they live in all white areas like i'm I'm confused is it real or is it just a political tactic what is this well what i would say is if you look at the and of course most people were not really able to vet obama prior to his becoming president along right. these lines but if you look at the four people who were the most prominent mentors of barack obama 
Okay. Uh, number one was Frank Marshall Davis. Um, you also had uh, Bill Ayers. Uh, you had uh, Derek Bell, who was his professor at uh, in Harvard Law School. Um, and you had uh, Jeremiah Wright. Uh, all four of them had as a central thesis of the things that they said that America was a profoundly, fundamentally, irredeemably racist country um, that, you know, the entire system ultimately needed to be thrown out in favor of something that would be more equitable. Um, you know, and I mean, these are all people that when Obama ran for president initially should have been out front as, hey, this is who this guy is. We were not allowed to say that. I mean, we had people like Stanley Kurtz had done the research and tried to present it to the public. You know, they did something that we weren't even familiar with at the time. They canceled him. They called him every name in the book. Yeah. Um, and that happened to a whole bunch of people. And it got to the point where the McCain campaign got really scared of informing the American public about who their opponent was. And, you know, Sarah Palin talked about it a little um, but only in sort of soft terms. And so there was a lot of Jeremiah Wright, um, but it was like the same three clips that everybody had heard over and over again. Um, what was not done was digging on Bill Ayers, for example, because Obama said, well, he's just a guy from my neighborhood. Yeah, about that, right? There was a little bit more going on there. Bill Ayers is actually turns out to be one of the most important thinkers when it comes to American education. So, the Obamas are being revealed for what they are. Comments from either of you? Why, why are people wasting their time on this? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like, is he, is he really that relevant? Is he really that fascinating? That Why do they have to be wasting any time because on this? He's, because he's the one that's running the Biden policies. Oh, okay. The Biden mafia. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting that the, uh, the, 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 little, the, the little robot is, is, is only acting upon on, on orders. <laughs> They say that he talks and moves and everything like a like a robot. So yeah, I believe it. <laughs> no, that I mean it's 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 relevant because he he's still dictating what the I see I don't even know if it's him. I don't know if there's somebody behind him. But he is the perfect he's not what everybody thought he was. I mean I remember when he he was a uh, speaker at one of the uh, Democratic convention. I don't remember even which one. I think one of the Clinton ones. And he got up there, and I'd never heard of this guy before. And I, in honest, all honesty, I didn't even re recognize the fact that he was supposedly black. It never occurred to me he was a black man. And he gave a speech that was just absolutely wonderful. It was like you, the speech you wanted to hear a politician give. And he gave it. And that's when he said, you know, we're not red America or blue America. We're Americans. And he was just, it was just so inspiring and just, you know. So, I mean, I was completely like, yeah, this I'm going to, you know, support this guy. He sounds like he's reasonable. And I did. I voted for him. But it didn't take long before I was going like, uh-oh. <laughs> I voted for him too because I thought, oh, this is going to be refreshing. Somebody who I believe will have 
completely different ideas and we've been stuck in the mud listening to for years. Well, when he when he had got elected, one of we had a a party, an election party, a celebration, and there was probably I don't know eight nine people here, and somebody had made up uh, an eight by ten photograph of the the new royal family, the Obamas, you know, and I put it in a picture frame and put it on my wall. And I can't tell you how many times I was swearing at that picture. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you take it down? (laughs) Because I had something to vent my anger towards. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is this is where it gets into a funny situation because the the real reason I didn't take it down, Dolly, was because I didn't. I would take it if I took it off the wall. Where would I put it? it? Was in glass. And it's hard to put things and be safe, to, you know, that, oh, I forgot that was there type of thing, crash, bang. I don't like that, doing that. So I always have some place to put it. was always trying to get to the, what am I going to do with this thing type of thing. So I never, you know, and plus the fact it vented my anger. So um, I'm trying to think. It had something to do with the book. I think I think it was a cosmic reality, and I just finished the book. And in fact, it was printing out the first time I a hard copy of it was in the printer. It was printing out, and something happened that made me question whether the book was done. And it was another woo story. So I'm thinking about that, and I kind of I'm sitting in the chair I mostly normally. It's not the computer chair; it's the other one. I'm sitting there. And I glanced at the wall where the picture was. And I said, what's wrong with that wall? You know, it was just like the image didn't fit my brain. (laughs) It's not supposed to look like that. And I look and I go, what happened to the Obama picture? And what the heck is there now? Now, what what replaced it was an uh, oral drawing of pristine forest. It's, it's just a, it's a pristine force. That's it. And a friend of mine had given it to me. He had done it and he had kept it. And on my 60th birthday, he gave it to me. And, but I had never, it was never on that wall. And why would I replace an 8 by 10 by one half its size? That's what my eye caught. Something's raw off on that wall. So I'm like, what in the heck? So I had gone on a vacation and, and uh, Cindy had, stayed here for a while and I thought maybe she moved it why would she move it but I asked her and she said why would I move it I said well I didn't think you would and I had no clue where the dang thing had gone so I don't have any memory of moving it and yet all of a sudden there was this this strange thing that had happened right and so I I started thinking about the book because this all happened around then and I realized yeah there's something missing and I had to stop the printing where I was and make a change it was the only change I I really ever made to the book but it was such an odd thing and it was like I think three or four years later that I came across the picture where was it in a place I never would have put it it was under a bunch of stuff that was on top of it (laughs) you know and it was like it was dangerous it's glass I wouldn't have done that. It sounds like a Mandela effect. 
Oh, I don't know what it was, but anyway, that's, I don't even know where the dang thing is now. I probably just left it there. Well, I just left the air, you know, covered it back up for all I know. Oh my God. So, you know, there's always been some strangeness about the Obamas. Yes, there has. It's, it was like this Cinderella story. You know, poor black man comes out of nothing from the, you know, ancestry in Africa and, you know, makes it to the Senate. And, you know, he's going to be this wonderful unifier of not just America, but the, I mean, he won the Nobel Peace Prize before he was in, in his first year. He was in his first year. Yeah, they what took it, it away from someone who deserved it to give it to him. Oh, I was pissed when that happened. And what what was it for? Was for peace? Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, yeah, I think that was it. Cause, uh, I kept saying, "What kind of peace did he arrange?" Yeah, well, I mean, what, what what I mean, so right from the and then oh, this was this was strange. So <laughs> it was in Norway. You remember all this thing that happened? Maybe you do all. It was in Norway, and at the time that, I don't know that he was there. It seems to me like he was there, but I'm not even sure if he was. But there was that weird blue conical shape over the Capitol where all this oh, was. Oh, the thing that looked like a spiral? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know something, Walt? That's the same color blue as the thing that hit in February of 2020 over the Shanghai. Mm. I know David Wilcox spoke about it uh, at length. So when you compare it, Nancy, what do you think is, what's the story? Between the Shanghai blue and, and the one in Norway? Yeah, the one over the White House, didn't you say? No, it was in Norway. There was oh. a spiral thing. Oh. And they think it might have been a missile that was blamed on the Russians, that the Russians had shot off a missile that had gone bonkers. Oh. And, um, you know, but none of, the, none of the explanation made any sense. And there was a lot of video about it from different areas because it just, it was huge. It was a huge event. In the sky there. Yeah, that was that was a very strange thing. But um, you listened to the Shungite show this morning, right, Dolly? Yeah, kind of, sort of, because I was uh, prepping for my list. Okay. Um, Derek got into an interesting... Hmm, how to explain that one? It was an interesting observation, let's say. Because we were talking about Shungite mines in the video, and there's a 360 look you can take to it. And I said, you know, I don't, when I go to the Shungite field, which I've done hundreds of times, I don't, I'm never in that environment. I mean, if, if, if I'm looking around, I'm standing in the field and I'm looking around, all I'm seeing is the field and the Shungite. I'm not seeing any of the buildings or the machinery or any of that. And he said, well, because the there's all sorts of layers of time 
and you you know you might be going back before all that stuff was there and i'd never i mean that's why i in remote viewing i'm always very sure to make sure that there's an anchor but the anchor in this case is the shungite field but he's right i didn't say you know what it is now they took me to the pristine field that was there you know shortly after it hit which well a few thousand maybe a hundred thousand maybe you know a million years um went by <laughs> before it was what where i go but um dolly when we come back do you think you want to try to do a little re- re- remote oh i'd love to okay and we'll go there at the time well we'll figure it out how to put that that way so um okay all right so let's see uh i've got to make some kind of a decision here as to what we're going to play and i suppose well i'm going to play shungai with the people
And welcome back to Cosmic Reality Radio Show. It's February 27th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. I'm assuming. Are you guys back? Yeah, I'm here. Before we get started, I wanted to read this. NRA says in UK, you can swear on Bible, Koran, or on yourself. That's interesting. On yourself? Yeah, that's what she says. The cell phone? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. No, no, no. S-E-L-F, like Frank. Yourself. Oh, okay. And then Diane says, I can find no picture of Fanny Willis taking the oath. Uh, thank you for looking. Appreciate that. That's Interesting. All, that's all I wanted to do was... Let you know what they said. Well, maybe we should put in the the search term. Um, does Georgia require hand on Bible taking the oath in the trial? Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that works. <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord. Okay, so um, yeah. Now I, I was thinking about it during the break. You know how we're going to do this because. When I first thought about doing this, it was like, I'd like to know, because, all right, there was a scientist and he was talking about it. And based on what they knew, and this was, he he did this thing probably, oh, I bet close to 10 years ago. Um, But what they knew about the Shungite field itself was that it might have been created by the Earth at the time that the Earth was created, that they happen together, which doesn't make any sense. But, you know, um, and he's, there was a lot of things because they just didn't have the knowledge we have now, especially concerning the, you know, well, anyway. Um, so I was going to take us back to, to you know, at, at that time. But that requires doing a remote where you're actually looking at Earth at the time. You're out in space and you're looking at Earth. Oh. And that that might be a little scary for people that, you know, haven't done any kind of a remote. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Because yeah. where yeah. are they going to anchor if they're floating around in space? Exactly. Takes a lot of, you know, practice before you can feel comfortable doing that. Now me, uh, I'd anchor myself to a big mountain with a, with a, like an umbilical cord. <laughs> okay. So why don't we do something that's a that's a little bit um, closer to home? <laughs> closer to home, closer to home. And but we're, we're, again, we're not necessarily going to be anchored into the Shungite field. Okay. What I think we should do is we should think in terms of almost like engaging a 3D map in front of us. You know, think of yourself as being over the Corellia area, over the impact zone. Before anything started getting built. You mean in Russia? In Russia, you know, before people really started, you know, mucking with with the the soil and, you know, in its pristine shape, let's say. And just take a look to see what it looks like. Because it didn't come in, it, it came in as a meteorite, all right? And it hit the ground, but it shattered. And different parts of it went into different areas. And we sort of got into that in the Shungite show that the elite, the more compressed 
pieces are off away from what we normally are seeing as the mind now today um, and they're just kind of like bulldozing the the top of the rocks um, <clears throat> and then processing the, the nuggets but in the elite they've actually got areas that are cave-like and you it's phenomenal you know some of the structures that they probably haven't even found yet because this thing is you know got buried my feeling is, is that it came in at the time when the earth was still fairly molten and that it hit and it was a lighter material and so it floated it was on the top of the molten crust at that time and it just hardened there so some of it is kind of uncovered i mean is covered up still and it might be fun just to be able to take a look and see what you can see you want to try that yeah as well, you've been talking i've been there okay figured that all right so, um yeah and what do you see? Well, uh, I see like the the thing coming in from outer space, the shungite ball. That's what I'll call it, the shungite ball, meteorite, whatever. But I see it as being all shungite with another kind of mineral mixed in i don't know what it is because i'm not up on things like that it's it's kind of a silver color and or a white a white or a silver with the black and i see it hits something else floating around out in space which kind of broke it up and i see the pieces out uh, spreading out over Russia and landing down going down and hitting on uh, the tops of mountains in the valleys and some of it is hot <clears throat> so it digs itself down in and makes like caverns and over time I see where these the cavern parts they're covered up with earth but some of then some of it that is spread out i see that it's taken away like the ones the lighter ones that land in the trees it gets blown in the wind and carried off in other places the ones that uh are lighter oh geez okay back off I'm getting lots of goosebumps and my hairs are standing up. And the ones that, well, the heavier ones were the ones that dug into the ground. Uh, the lighter, and it was like in graduation, really heavy, a little less, a little less, a little less, till some of it turned into powder. And the powder stuff I see being, blown away it landed in the grass the trees on the leaves and the there were different kinds i wanted to say flowers but there were different kind of plants back then i don't see quite so many flowers i see colorful plants but not a lot and not a lot of color 
and uh, the lighter powder stuff I see landing in things that move, like water and uh, the lava and uh, the dew that got... Oh, that's interesting. I see when it landed on the leaves and the grass blades, I see it being in a in a beam like beam me up Scotty I see it be some of it going back up into the uh, 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 what do you call it outer space and being carried around to the different places in outer space and some of it just still floating around but others landing on planets or stars and whatever's up there and that's what I see back then. But then I see the one that landed, uh, what, recently. So I think there were two events of Shanghai. That's what I see. What do you see? When you say recently, you're talking about the blue meteor? Yeah. Okay, so, so, so the blue meteor would be uh, a second, uh, a second session of uh, of uh, Shanghai, a second visit visit uh, of of Shanghai. <laughs> yeah. So that means that if if the blue meteor is another iteration of Shanghai. In the same geographic area, it means that the, the existence of Shanghai on this planet is no accident at all. It sounds like it's a very deliberate thing. I don't know this. Yeah, I, well, I feel that way too. <laughs> Can't make two strikes on the same. I mean, <clears throat> we got people who we, let's, there are people in Karelia who saw it happen and said it landed all over the Shanghai field. But they're only talking about one part of the Shanghai field. The whole area is, is Shanghai. You know, I mean, it's, it's much... They say that it's like goes over 800 kilometers square. Is it eight, No, 800 miles square. I forget what, thousands of kilometers square. So it's, it, you know, it's a large area, but um, I didn't actually take the trip with you. I was just listening to what you were saying. Oh, how do we know if I'm anywhere near right? Well, because I've seen what happened many times. Oh. That's why I'm so persistent telling you it was a meteorite strike, I say it. Oh, that's interesting. I can see it right now. Um, and yeah, I'd hit basically, except that there wasn't any vegetation at the time. Huh. So, uh, and I wondered about that because, you know, again, is there's layers of images that are there that it depends on what your, your mind is picking up. 
and so they could be there when you were looking at it. It's hard to explain. Derek was having kind of a, well, we're not going to talk about this <laughs> in this show. You know? <laughs> and I can understand why, because it's, it's a little bit complex. But because you, you do a remote and you see something that might not agree with somebody else, it's just that it's, it's a different time. But the times can be overlapped. It's... Uh, but two strikes in no, 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 no. separated that, by 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 millions of years. Wow, that's much too much of a coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what what I said when it happened. And you remember what it did to the Shanghai field? Mm-hmm. It completely changed it to a much higher signature. Let's put it that way. So. But I, I, I said this on the Shanghai show, but, it, you know, it's apropos here, too. Um, I was doing some woo-woo stuff, and I was working with the Shanghai grid. And I suddenly got linked into the beehives, the Shanghai beehives. And then, all of a sudden, all the bees. And because I've been working with the concept of the 528 hertz love signal frequency... Um, I suddenly came to an aha moment, and I realized that the bees, which have been here since the beginning of the beginning, lock in the frequency of 528. You you can put a microphone in a hive, and you're going to get the 528 frequency coming off that hive. And so the bees are locking in the love frequency into planet Gaia. Which is, which is an amazing thing to think about, because <clears throat> if you take a look at the time frame, the, the current event time frame, you get a situation where we went from a very nice environment where, you know, yes, there was racism, but it was on both sides, and it didn't really permeate most of anything that was around us. I mean, my neighbors are all of different ethnic groups. Uh, it just wasn't there. It wasn't a problem. And I think that's true for a good portion of America. And you didn't have the hate and the rage and robbing people and killing people. I mean, it's just like a terrible place we're in right now. But this has all happened while there was a decrease in the amount of bees on the earth. So... All of a sudden, I realized that the Shungite, because when I first encountered it, I said, well, this is leveling the playing field. But I think it's taking it to a new level. Because if we can use the concepts that we've learned about Shungite beehives and get the population of the bees humming again and bringing in the love frequency, maybe that's one of the key things that we have to focus on is the bees. You know, it's a simple focus point, a focal point for many thousands, millions of people to just say, yeah, let's bring back the bees. Bees everywhere. You know, so we have nightmares of bees, all bees everywhere, because you're going to bring in that 528 love frequency. So, um, yeah, and and I, I, I played, uh, it was Radio 5G. I played, uh, I don't know, 
four minute clip of, of the sound of the beehive. And I had taken it off a of video of uh, a YouTube video. I, you know, I, I'd taken the sound off of that. But I also took a picture of the picture that they were showing. And in this picture of a, the inside of a, a beehive, there is this fairly small, well, it was a small, but it wasn't tiny, burst of light that was the same color as the thing that hit Shungite, which I think was a, a plasma ball that hit the Shungite in February. Same same color. <laughs> I should just look and see if I can find that. I don't remember where I put the thing. Because it was just... Are you talking about that picture what um, we were looking yes. at a couple days ago? Yes, I showed it to you. I have that. Do you? Can you Hold on. Paste? I'm gonna, paste? I have to... Here it is. Copy. Let's see if this will work. There it is. It's coming. Hold on. There it is. It's up in the chat. Okay. Let me go on over there and take a look at it. Okay, you see the blue in the picture? You mm -hmm. can click on it, it'll get bigger. And if you click on it again, it goes to a uh, another place where you can actually... Just hit your control and plus sign, and you can go way in deep. And it almost looks like a a humanoid person in a yoga position with the same color. I mean, it's not identical, identical color, but there's going to be a little shift. But it's the same kind of turquoise blue thing that is in the uh, Shungite things. Let me see if I can find the in my things so what are you thinking Walt uh, it's very interesting is that um, are you sure that this is a um, an image not that it's not uh, it's not a machine made image you mean AI um, I don't know it's like a I, I, I don't know where it came from it's the what they used on the video oh okay um what am I looking for? Oh, I know what I'm looking for. Anyway, um, while I'm looking, what else have you guys got to talk about? Oh, I, I see it now. It's a profile of a woman. <laughs> I, I didn't notice it at first. Now I see it. It's a, the body of a woman. Well, I don't know, but it was very odd. It's, you can look, uh, because of the bees, I wasn't noticing it. And then what I meant, I mentally subtracted the bees and left the shape in there. And it's a, it's a woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And right, right, right in the, uh, what would be sort of the throat chakra, mm -hmm. is this blue light coming out. Uh-huh. And I can't believe I can't find the Shungite meteorite thing. I think I've, I've cleaned up my computer and I've moved things to a 
exterior drive. <laughs> now I don't know where anything is. <laughs> so maybe I'll be able to find it. But you guys all, well, the, the, hey, hey, listen, the uh, the Shungite reality, why don't I have any of that picture up? The one I use for the podcast and everything, that is got, um, that's got the blue color in it. Anyway, so yes, and, and you can, as a matter of fact, I will just, well, that's the picture. No, I thought it was I thought it was the YouTube station, but it's not. Okay, so Dolly, do you feel like you want to go and talk about the current events? Sure. You sure? Yeah. I gotta okay. get to it. Oh, I wanna put that down. That'll confuse the heck out of me. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Come on. There we go. <clears throat> on Newsweek. This post was done today at 3.27 p.m. Uh, the story's by Natalie Venegas, lawyer who flipped on Trump, becomes black eye for Fannie Willis, attorney. Oh, I suppose you all would like the uh, link. I was busy listening. That's why I didn't do it. Um, paste. And I paste a picture of the dude I'm going to be talking about. Copy. And here is the picture. Paste. Okay. Now. <clears throat> he just looks like such an upstanding citizen under the picture the caption reads <coughs> kenneth c-h-e-s-e -E bro Ch chess bro accepts a plea deal in front of fulton county superior judge scott mcafee at the fulton county courthouse october 20 2023 in Atlanta, Georgia, amid allegations of a hidden social media account, Chispro, a former lawyer for Donald Trump, becomes a black eye for Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's election racketeering case against the former president, according to former federal Prosecutor Ellie Honig. <clears throat> Amid the discovery of a hidden social media account, Kenneth Chesbro, a former lawyer for Donald Trump, has become a black eye for Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's election, election racketeering case against the former president. According to former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig, Chesbro, who took a plea deal after being charged in the election interference <coughs> in the election interference case in Georgia, alongside Trump and 18 other defendants, agreed to testify against others charged in the case, including 
Trump. The former, I, I'm not calling Trump former. When I say the president, you know I'm talking about Trump. Has pleaded not guilty to 13 felony counts in the case. However, no date has been set for the trial, with Willis's office suggesting it could begin on August 5th. We shall see, seeing as she's in trouble. <clears throat> While cooperating with investigators in Michigan, Chesbro Ch said he never used the social media platform X, formerly Twitter. Oh, it's Twitter, not Twitter. Or had any alternate IDs. However, on Monday, a CNN investigation found that Chesbro was behind an anonymous account, Badger Pundit, which pushed the disputed claim that an alternative group of electors in Republican-controlled legislatures could be put in place to falsely declare Trump the winner of the respective states. I, I got to admit, I do not understand this article, but I'm going to read it to you all because you're smarter than I am. In an interview on CNN on Monday with host Jake Tapper, Honig discussed the allegations regarding Chesbro's hidden social media account, adding that the allegation only further supported that Chesbro is not and will not be a viable cooperator in Trump's case. He is not a viable cooperator for the Fulton County DA. <clears throat> they gave Kenneth Chesbro a softball deal. They let him plead out to probation. And the reason they gave us, well, he's cooperating. No, he's not. He has not come clean. He is a failed cooperator. That's a black eye for the Georgia District Attorney as well, Honig said. Newsweek has reached out to Fulton County Court via, e via email for comment. Honig continued to explain that the statements given to investigators in Michigan and Georgia that he described as misleading at best, outright false at worst, make Chesbro more of an uncooperative witness for prosecutors. Kenneth Chesbro is facing more legal jeopardy now and he is not and never has been a viable cooperator for prosecutors in Georgia, Honig said. In a statement to CNN, Chesbro's lawyer confirmed that the Badger Pundit account belonged to the to Trump, to Trump's attorney, but was used to express a random stream of consciousness where he was spitballing theories about the election, 
rather than detail official legal work he provided to, to the president. When he was doing volunteer work for the campaign, he was very specific, oh, specific and hunkered down into being the lawyer that he is and gave specific kinds of legal advice based on things that he thought were legitimate legal challenges versus Badger Pundit, who is this other guy over there just being a goof, Robert Langford told CNN. Newsweek has reached out to Chesbro's legal team via online email form for comment. Honig's comments come after Willis's case continues to face challenges as Willis has found herself at the center of a potential ethics violation related to her alleged affair with Nathan Wade, a special prosecutor whom she hired to lead the interference case against Trump. <clears throat> The allegations Willis faces were first made when one of Trump's co-defendants in the case, Michael Roman, filed a motion earlier this month claiming that Wade and Willis were at one point romantically involved during the investigation of Trump, adding that the special prosecutor and district attorney had been profiting significantly from this prosecution at the expense of the taxpayers. Willis and her office face widespread pushback related to the allegations as the 2020 election interference case continues. Trump and his co-defendants have argued that all charges should be dismissed accusing Wade and Willis of misconduct. Judge Scott McAfee, who is presiding over the hearings, which will determine if there is a legal conflict that justifies removing Willis's office from the case, has yet to make a ruling. And that was uh, today, I believe, posted today. Yes, 27th. Justifies removing Willis from office from the case, you think? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I had to laugh at that too. I thought, what? Come on. <laughs> but then you got to remember that that judge was involved uh, in contribution stuff and uh, friends with Fanny Willis. So the judge isn't clean. Are there any of them clean? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I haven't heard of any of them that are. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that on him. Then there was another thing from Newsweek, uh, published February 27th today at 3 p.m. Prosecutor in Trump co-defendant case has no faith in Fannie Willis. 
that one. I didn't bother to copy all of it, but I have the site that I can go to and read it if you want me to. So Fanny Willis does not pass the saint test. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> pass the smell test, Walt. <laughs> Uh, it's funny that I'm looking at the picture that you posted, uh-huh. and I'm I'm not I'm not trying trying to be overly picky, but the way she's holding her hand, it's not like a it's a, the hand is supposed to be straight. All the fingers are supposed to be. Oh, you mean the picture Diane posted of? Yeah. Diane? Oh. But the hand is loose and relaxed. It's like. That's not an official. That's, I'm sorry, but that's not an ex, a respectful uh, uh, expression oh, no. of that hand. She's sitting there like, all right, this is such a waste of my time, and yeah. I am in charge, so don't exactly. even mess with me. Exactly. Yeah. That's the yeah. That, that's the attitude that you get from that hand. Right. Right. Let me see. Where I lost it. Here it is. This is. An attorney investigating former Department of Justice official Jerry Clark said he has no faith in Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's case into alleged attempts at overturning the 2020 presidential election. Clark is a co-defendant in Willis's case into Trump's alleged attempt at thwarting the election results in Georgia, which narrowly backed President Joe Biden in 2020. Her investigation focused on Trump's phone call to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, in which the former president asked him to find enough votes to tilt the election in his favor, as well as alleged efforts to submit a false state of pro-Trump electors to the Electoral College. I remember when he was doing that. He didn't mean illegally go find votes. He said, fine. What he meant was, listen, there's a lot of votes for me out there. I don't know what happened to him. It's your job to find them. What happened to the votes that were made for me? That's what uh, Trump was saying to this dude. And and then, of course, they have misconstrued his words like we know they can. And they are the ones who did what they are accusing Trump of doing. Now, in order for me to read any further, I have to copy and paste the uh, link into the internet. Probably not. Don't worry about it. Because oh. got the idea. You know, it's just more and more and more of the same. Oh, thank you. <laughs> crazy, crazy shit. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like... Anyway, <laughs> this is the world we're in. Okay, and- you guys got... Go ahead. If you don't keep up with it on a daily basis, you just, you're going to get lost. Yeah. <laughs> the characters are just out of some comic strip, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> it's like this guy today. I mean, 
he was so obvious that he was lying, oh, admitting okay. to it. Well, I'm not sure if I made it up or not. <laughs> yeah, okay. really. I don't know if I lied to him or not. I can't remember. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so everything you say is a freaking lie. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was going to be their special witness, you know. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But he did seem to be so he somebody got to him. Um, do they have more witnesses they're going to interview? Not to my knowledge. So the case is gonna it's closed down for the well, judge. The, it's 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 a weird thing because it's a it's basically a hearing, not a not a court case, I think. And so he has to decide whether or not it's it you know, does this fit the bill that when and you see, it doesn't say it has to be proven. It has to be look like, okay? And this is definitely a look like. You know, this was a tit for tat. I'll get you this job. You give me this wonderful time. And um, so, I, I mean, if you look at just what the law says and what we've seen on the TV, he doesn't have much of a decision as far as I know. No. But, you know, they all but can get caught out. Yeah, he's got to protect his uh, viability to be reelected. I think he's up for reelection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he has to protect his own butt. Exactly. So exactly. it'll be interesting to see is he going to be truthful or is he going to just save his butt? Save his butt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so you want to do something that's. Uh, well, it's really very different. Okay. I ha I have a um, a clip here, and it's about the energy of clothing. So I'm going to play. It's only three minutes, but it's an interesting take. Have you guys ever wondered if Old Testament rules can apply to today and even help you live a better, healthier life? Let's talk about it. Today we're going to talk about an Old Testament law concerning mixed fabrics. Deuteronomy 22.11 Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. Basically this law is saying don't wear mixed fabrics. Now why in the world would God make such a rule? I've never really seen any pastor quite explain such bizarre laws such as this. Why were they not allowed to wear mixed fabrics? Why was that a law? Well this Old Testament law actually has to do with signs that can apply to today. This is a doctor known as Heidi Yellen. She's a researcher who studied frequencies in fabrics. A doctor named Heidi Yellen did a study on fabrics and this was the conclusion. The human body has a signature frequency of 100 and organic cotton is 100. Therefore, you don't want to wear a garment under 100 that is lower than the frequency of the human body. A sickly, nearly dead person has a frequency of 15 and materials such as polyester, rayon, silk and spandex register at 15. Science proves that any fabric worn that has a frequency less than 100, our bodies puts a strain on us which causes disease, inflammation and other sicknesses. The only super fabrics are wool and linen, both measuring in at 5,000 which energizes the body and helps fight disease. Linen is a super fabric. Like I said, its frequency is 5,000, wool is also 5,000, but when mixed together with linen, the frequencies cancel each other out and fall to zero. Even wearing a wool sweater on top of linen outfit in a study collapsed the electric field. The reason for this could be that the energy field of wool flows from left to right, while that of linen flows in the opposite direction from right to left. 
So yeah, when these two super fabrics are mixed together, they cancel each other out and the frequency goes to zero, from 5,000 to zero, which is incredibly unhealthy for your body. Can cause strain, inflammation, disease. Here's some facts about linen. Number one, sleeping in linen helps people fall asleep faster and deeper. Number two, it improves mood. Number three, considered holy attire. Number four, made up of flax. Number six, rapid healing from surgeries and other ailments, which would explain why hospitals use linen for their beds. Number seven, resistant to fungus and bacteria. Number eight, barrier to some diseases. Number nine, regulates body temperature. It insulates in the cold and cool and breathable when it's warm. But all these benefits of fabrics such as linen disappear when you mix them. Its frequency goes to zero, which like I said, can cause inflammation, strain on the body, etc. Another researcher, Dr. Philip Callahan, discovered that flax cloth linen acts as an antenna for the energy. He found that when the pure flax cloth was put over a wound or local pain, it greatly accelerated the healing process. What he was using to discover this is oscilloscope. So yes, the type of fabric you wear and if you mix it can affect the body. So God knew what he was talking about. This wasn't just some random law to separate the Israelites. This was a law concerning health and well-being. And the science applies today to mixed fabrics. All right, thank you. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. And did you know that this uh, flax cells are like, uh, let me see, I think they're about a foot long. Each cell is huge. Each cell is a foot long? Yes, they're, they're the biggest cells. Wow. I don't even, I mean, I've never even thought of flax clothing. Yeah, it, it is, was a very, very, very common in like uh, colonial times. They would make a lot of clothing was made with flax. And flax is a kind of a plant, it, right? Yeah, it's, it's a uh, plant fiber. It's a fiber material. Natural natural fiber. Natural fiber. That's all it is? I mean, it, it's not a plant in itself? Flax plant? Yeah, it, it is. In fact, you can see them. Uh, the flax flowers are all always blue. They have very pretty flowers. They're very attractive. You, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. Probably. Um, okay, this this video was inside of a article about this. And let me just put this in the chat room. Oh, I'm doing a dolly. <laughs> See how easy it is <laughs> to do a dolly? <laughs> you know how fast it is when Nancy's doing it? <laughs> the Dalai Dama. <laughs> okay, so it gives a frequency of fabric chart and it talks about super fabrics. Linen is the first one, 5,000 megahertz. Wool, 5,000 megahertz. And that they should be, okay, so. Um, no, healthier, but not as super fabric, is hemp. And I've always thought that hemp was like the perfect thing to wear for a lot of reasons. Super fa fabric that is around the corner to be introduced to us, hemp clothing. 
and they're going to talk about it because low. So, um, and then you've got organic cotton. That's uh, it's not a super fabric. It's seventy to hundred and ten megahertz, but they said the human body was at a hundred megahertz. So, uh, low rate, low energy rayon, polyester, spandex, nylon, silk. You know the stuff that most of us are wearing. And I only wear uh, uh, cotton clothing. I don't, I don't, I don't rely on none, none of that stuff. I don't, I don't like the way it feels against the skin. Well, if you actually looked at your cotton and seen that in many cases it says cotton, but then it's got some spandex or something in it, Rayon. One of the, you know. I, I've looked at the labels. Everything says, says cotton, but yep. polyester too. Yeah. Polyester, yeah. Um. Okay, so. Then they went with a, a hemp fabric thing, and they're they're quoting Dr. Emoto, plant a lot of hemp in the land of Fukushima. Hemp vibration has a potentiality to purify the contaminated environment made by radiation. Good point, dude. Um, high, highly vibrational, four times stronger than cotton, breathes better color doesn't fade strongest thread and makes the strongest ropes uh they use it in fishing and ships all the time natural filtering uv light helping to protect the skin pampers our skin more after each time it is worn making it healthier is rich in vitamins can be used to feed livestock and humans too you can put your clothes out there is resistant to bacterial growth, will be used for many industrial purposes, including brick for building. Wow, foundations. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, water resistant, fire resistant, controls body temperature. So, you know, if you got the money, look up uh, hemp clothing. It's out there. Uh, th this thing about the feeding this, the livestock, I... I what was that? Oh, I was listening to the uh, this Russian scientist who was talking about Shanghai, and he said that in 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 it, that somebody who had written about this had gone to the area of Shanghai early, like in you know the 16th century, had gone there, and even back then, this was this is earlier than uh, Peter the Great. And back then, there were all sorts of stories about the healing potential of the Shungite in the water and being in Karelia uh, to begin with. And he said that it was so weird because he was speaking in Russian, but they had a translation come up. And he said he went to this one area and the forest was covered with clothing. And I thought... Well, this is an insane translation of what he must have said. But no, he was saying clothing because the people that were healed were, there was a tradition of leaving a piece of their clothing there in Karelia. And apparently he, he said, well, apparently there was a lot of people that had been healed because there was a lot of clothing there. 
So all of a sudden that came to me when I was reading that list. It was like a gesture of gratitude from the, from the people? Uh, yeah, an acknowledgement of the healing, yes. Mm. But the fact that it was healing and we're talking about vibrational healing in this thing, you know, it's like maybe it was hemp clothing, <laughs> you know, because the animals eat the hemp. You can eat, put your clothes out. When it gets too old, you just give it to the goat. <laughs> Why is it that it says that there is no THC in hemp? Yeah, because hemp is a, marijuana is a type of hemp that has THC, but hemp itself is not, doesn't have THC. Oh, so, so you have to be aware of what plant you're using, correct? Yeah, I mean, they, they, you can grow hemp. I mean, hemp has been used to make rope uh -huh. forever and ever. As a matter of fact, this is a, an interesting side story. Um, Hearst, the guy that has the newspapers, he, he, when, when hemp began to, well, marijuana began to uh, get popular, the next step was to look at the hemp itself. And what they were realizing is that hemp was a much better medium for newspapers than was uh, cutting down wood, making paper. Hemp paper was much more resilient, cheaper to do. You don't infect the, the natural, you know, habitat. And he was so afraid of the competition from hemp because his empire was built on wood, on paper that he was one of the people that was funding all of the uh, marijuana will make you crazy type of thing. As a matter of fact, it was his campaign that ended up calling it marijuana and associating it with the Mexicans because he was trying to bait the race card because there was a racist, uh, let's say, uh, trending in the Americas because of the influx of Mexican illegal immigration at the time. So they were kind of like, we don't want these people here. And so he worked on that to make it, well, they're bringing in all this marijuana, forgetting the fact that, no, people were beginning to understand that the things that you can, you can build virtually every single thing that oil will will create, everything. You, you can make automobiles that won't crash and, you know, dent and all this stuff. I mean, they, they were using it. You can use hemp oil and you make gas out of it. So there's, um, there's no limit to what hemp itself can do. to, And the hemp seeds have more nutrition in them than any other known substance pound for pound. And they grow three three batches a year. It's insane that this that they've gone into this uh, making marijuana so that marijuana makes and they get it stronger and stronger so it makes people crazy. And now they're going to have a backlash against the marijuana again. It's really against the hemp stuff because they are using hemp, especially in England, to build um, buildings, homes. Because it, it, it's a good insulator against the cold. It's one of the reasons that they prefer it. Where, where do they grow it three times a year? <coughs> what Say country? Again? Any country. 
Oh. Here, here, uh, marijuana, if you're in an environment that's not, you know, frigid. I mean, if you're in an, if you, like, if you've got them in a grow house, you can get three full-term batches of uh, marijuana in a single year. And I don't remember the details, but they somebody was uh, explaining that the very concept of the marijuana plant doesn't really fit the kind of plants that we have here, and that it might have come from some extraterrestrial source. <laughs> I, don't, oh, come on. I don't remember the details. I'll have to try to look that up. Yeah. That, that's a Cheech and Chon movie when they encounter the aliens. And the UFOs, uh, and the camp came from outer space. <laughs> I never watched their shows. Oh, okay. Me neither. No, can't say yeah, that. I they were just too out of it for me. <laughs> yep. So we're at the end of the show here. You guys got anything you wanted to pass on? Oh, I wanted to be. What Elias said, <clears throat> greetings to the late show. Flax plants are prolific in New Zealand. The native people weaved many garments from it. And the native birds here love to feed in the flax plants' flowers. They must produce nectar. Yeah. Uh, cool. And I'll say, say thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Walt. <clears throat> thank you, y'all, who are listening to my voice. I thank your chatters for joining our chat. Seeing as I have time, I can say these things. And don't forget love blankets, please. It's very, very, very important. Love blankets are very important. Thank you. I love y'all. Bye-bye. How about you, Walt? You got something to say? Good you night, got everybody. Two, you, got two minutes. you got two minutes. Good night, everybody. Have a super night and love, as, as Dolly says, love blankets everywhere. <laughs> uh, so they're going to leave it to me. So um, I have no idea what I'm going to do for Radio 5G. I've been behind the eight ball. Can't explain why. It's just one of those weeks. So um, I'll figure out something. <laughs> I hope we'll, we'll get together that in that show. And also, um, Ani Avdesian is going to have a live show tomorrow. And if you haven't listened to Ani, you really should, in my opinion, because she's very, very witty and very, very funny. And she is doing this series on the Constitution of the United States that is so much fun. And I'm learning so much about the Constitution, which I thought I knew quite a bit, but I flunked most of the testing that she's done. <laughs> so, anyway, appreciate you all for being here. Be safe. We will see you when we see you, and um, hopefully we'll see you on Say What, too. Be safe, everybody. Preaching, preaching, the unknown, unknown, unknown. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. Produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart.